Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from TV4 Director of Acquisitions, Formats and Development, Catherine Wiernick, about the Sweden-based broadcaster's first year under COVID-19 and its growing focus on AVOD. And Media Rant's Chief Executive, Sophie Ferron, on the changing formats landscape and the firm's latest incubator initiative. A year into the global COVID-19 pandemic, the TV industry, like every facet of our lives, continues to grapple with the fallout. Catherine Wiernick, Director of Acquisitions, Formats and Development for the Nordic and Baltic regions at TV4, spoke with Karolina Kaminska about how the Sweden-based broadcaster has coped, the challenges and opportunities the situation has opened up, its growing focus on AVOD, and changing value of UK and US programming. We're a year into the um, coronavirus crisis now. So how is it affecting things at the channel at the moment? It's um, the new normal in a way. I think we we have just adjusted and adapted very, very quickly. Our industry just stepped up and we're super professional about the whole thing. Of course, in Sweden, we never had a full lockdown. So even in the beginning, when the rest of the world just shut everything down, we kept going. We did did, of course, with, you know, a lot of adjustments from the get-go. We had to cancel a few things. We had to bring home, for example, Survivor from Fiji in two months' time. We just brought it back home, canceled the Fiji plans, and went up north uh, in Sweden. It's never historically been made in Sweden. Uh, So we did a fantastic, unique new series. We, of course, couldn't go ahead with Bachelor, uh, which was scheduled then for Greece. But a lot of our show, we brought home, we made local versions, or we just adjusted how we produce them in, in a corona-proof, secure way. We even, you know, continued in, in the midst of the outburst in the beginning with, with Strictly Come Dancing, and we had to pause two shows because of, you know, sickness in the production. We replaced it with other live shows in that studio. We found good replacements then, and we actually adjusted really quickly. So I would say that when it all started, and we thought that things would be ginormously affected as far as of how much of our shows would actually be able to continue, you know, and, and and the production that year, most of it went through in an adjusted way. And so so I wouldn't say we actually suffered uh, enormously on how much content we displayed. But of course, our revenues, I, I you know, they were enormously affected and they still are. It's, it's repairing itself. The market is slowly rising and things are leveling out. But the fact is that, I mean, like everybody else, uh, the, the hardest hit was revenue-wise, consumption-wise, viewership-wise. It has been an explosive year. It's been amazing. We've hit records. We had a 30% increase in time spent on our AdWord service, over, I think, 25% on our Seymour views um, on our SVOD platform. We had in Q4 the biggest linear viewership ever in the channel's history. So just saying that, we come out stronger than ever, even in a world where just 18 months ago, our put levels were so drastically decreasing that, you know, it was alarming. And all of a sudden, we turned it around. We turned it around. I mean, the pandemic hit us, but our our shows uh, really broke through and everything worked so well. So we are viewing-wise so strong. Our position is amazing going into 21. But of course, it doesn't resonate 
resonate completely with, you know, the fact that we're not getting paid for it or how, how revenue stream in. So hopefully it will level out a little bit by, you know, this year, shortly after summer, because, you know, it's still quite alarming in Sweden. It's, you know, the pandemic is far from over and everybody haven't gotten vaccine or anything. So I just think that we thought maybe that the situation would be less alarming than it still is, if you know what I mean. But we're, you know, again, we're coping. It's still affecting us. We are still very much safe proving our all our studio shows. We're being affected by, you know, all the postponements and the productions in the US and the UK that are being pushed forward. It's hard to plan. It's hard to schedule. Things are being, you know, pushed forward continuously. You know, it's not the fact that we can't find alternatives or that we can't solve our situation. It's just very complex. It's two different things. One uh, on the acquisition side and one on the local production side, of course, they're different problematics, but we're still being very much affected. We just have learned to work with it. So are there any productions in particular then that you're supposed to be launching over the next couple of months, I guess, that are being delayed and that you're now having to find replacements for? Uh, No, you know what? I think what we're dealing with at the moment, because, you know, Strictly is going out again, Masked Singer is launching. That is obviously, of course, a a pre-recorded show, so it's not an issue, but it's there are extreme measures as far as COVID safe proofing the production and how we produce and, and securing everybody's safety. But we are still dealing with how and where we're doing Bachelor. But I think that as far as things being in the pipeline now, no, we are working with adjusting and really just going forward with all our productions in a COVID safe manner rather than cancelling. So there's nothing that at the moment is being cancelled. But of course, you know, as far as acquiring new or commissioning another series or something, of course it is affecting us. We might not buy a show today that we would have bought 18 months ago due to the fact that, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but we're not cancelling anything at the moment. And do you have any plans to cover any sporting events this summer, such as the Euros or the Olympics? I believe that you that you share the rights, is it, to the Euros? With SVT. With SVT. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, yeah. it depends. Again, it's still a few months to go. So whether people will actually be there or not, you know, I can't answer to that. We will definitely cover the Euros if they are going through with the Euros and how are they going to go through with the Euros? I think there's still a lot of question marks. But again, you know, it's it's tough because all of these big sporting events that were actually taking place last year are now being pushed forward to 21. So it's quite heavy on a budget that did not expect, you know, all these big sporting events. So there's a lot of, of things weighing down on 21. Uh, it's like both sides to the coin. On the one hand, you know, our viewership is enormous. And what's even more interesting is the fact that I think we've never had a year in the recent 10, 12 years where all the new shows have launched so well. And, you know, if you would have asked me again, 18 months ago, what's your biggest challenge? Oh, it's launching new shows. It's sticking out. There's so much out there. There's such huge competition. How do we make new things work? That's why it's so important to also revitalize and build, you know, your strong, established, big campfire brands. But this year has been amazing, you know, due to the fact that I think people have turned to TV4, they turned to the big broadcasters, they turned to where there's, you know, relevant local must-see shows. Maybe it's like a sort of a rolling rock, you know, it's just like you want to see more. Once you're in there, you see the ads for the new shows, you go in, you give them chances. I mean, obviously people, you know, they don't go out. Life is very, very limited at the moment. So it's really been amazing to see that so many new titles have done so well. And are there any types of shows or genres that are particularly in demand among your viewers at the moment? 
moment? Well, you know, to go back to what I just said, as far as everything sort of works and all the new show launches really strong and people are consuming everything we sort of show them. It, I think that maybe the the core of that, if I just like find one word, what brings people in, it's like escapism. I think that people really do want feel good classic escapism at the moment. And it doesn't matter if it's like dating reality or lifestyle or, you know, we, we launched Grand Designs Sweden. It did fantastic numbers. You know, all our big studio, uh, live studio weekend shows do so well. MasterChef, it, it, it all does well. But I think it's, again, it's about escapism. Apart from escapism, of course, it's news. We have the biggest digital morning news show now in Sweden. Nyhetsmorgon, it's our, you know, morning features news show from 6 to 10. And that is like on all the top lists, even against SVT's shows or the public service, we're number one. And so that just proves that people are coming in for, for everything with us, really. But again, I think that escapism is, is the key word here. I mean, it's news and, and our new show. And of course, it's our reality. It's our big formats, our acquired series, documentaries. What sort of demand is there currently for UK content in Sweden, both for finished programmes and formats for adaptation? And how has it or is it changing? Well, you know, I would say it's not really changing. It's still super strong. UK, I think, is the one of the key countries where we actually acquire both, you know, ready, finished programmes, Air acquisitions and formats. Historically, I think it is the biggest country uh, and it's still going very, very strong. It, it resonates very well with our viewers, not just in Sweden, but I would say in all of the Nordics. So obviously it is a very big partner, you know, content country, whatever, to us. And so that's not changing, it's just increasing. And can you talk about some UK shows or, or formats from the UK that you have had success with in the recent past? Well, you know, um, I would say since also every like everybody else with the digital migration and everything, we're building, you know, we have two big VOD platforms. We have our AdVod TV4 Play, and then we have our, our big Pan Nordics premium pay and OTT service Seymour. And with building them along with sort of retaining the linear position, the demand for acquiring content is even bigger than it has been historically. And so um, saying that, what I mean is that we're actually acquiring more than I think we have historically ever. A lot of the UK stuff are, are strong partners, all three media, BBC, ITV, Banerjee, Fremantle, you know, all of them are, are providing it with great content. And I think just to mention a few, if I would say on the acquisition side, uh, Gangs of London has been a, a very big success, both for Seymour and for TV4 Play. Des is doing a great job. We have that linearly. We have that for Seymour and for TV4 Play. Traces, the BBC show as well, The Nest. I would say there are many more titles that is doing a great job specifically, again, for our VOD platforms. And we're really increasing our acquisitions power for, for standalone AdVOD rights for our AdVOD for TV for Play at the moment. And, and um, we have, um, we launched quite an aggressive, I would say, series strategy about 18 months ago, where we had like a series event for 
summer trying to release one new series per week with, as a box set. That was a lot of UK and it did so well, you know, not specifically on every each title, but as a whole for time spent, it really built so well. So we've continued doing that and we're very focused on acquiring AdVod rights at the moment. That is our biggest, I would say one of our biggest strategic focuses for this year and the coming years is to build breadth and depth for our AdVod platform, uh, a part, of course, uh, to continue to build our, our SVOD. But, you know, they're a bit of a different beast, the AdVod and, and the SVOD service. And drama from the US is becoming increasingly unavailable, especially with major US studios now holding back content for their own streaming platforms. Do you think that UK drama is becoming a replacement for US drama? Absolutely. And I would say not just due to the fact that they're retaining. There's been two factors this year. It's been the COVID effect. We do see that we've had more UK shows flowing in than US due to, you know, postponed or canceled production. It's been hitting us harder from the US than from the UK, actually. So that has also been an effect that we've had more UK shows, I think, than historically the last year. But of course, onward as well, it's becoming even more important, of course, to secure the UK premium series and the library, you know, all and the formats, the realities, the documentaries from the UK, given the fact that the US you know, our studios are are retaining rights. On the other hand, they are retaining rights and then they are not because uh, many of the studios, um, I would say with an exception of Disney, they've been very straightforward from the get-go when they were, um, you know, when they released the news about Disney Plus that they were retaining everything and they have been ever since in a way. But I would say that NBC, that Paramount, um, a lot of the other studios, they're still trying to do both, finding creative ways of, you know, carving out second windows, et cetera, in order to be able to license as well as build a straight consumer. And that, of course, is positive for us. I think it's really more about new ways of uh, looking at windowing and of exclusivity versus non-exclusivity, et cetera. There are other, you know, solutions, I think, as far as business models to find if they're trying to move forward with both business models. UK broadcasters, ITV and the BBC are planning a global rollout of their joint venture SVOD service, BritBox. How do you think this will impact demand for UK content and the and the availability of UK programmes for international broadcasters and streamers? Well, you know, it, it's sort of everything depends a little bit on what they will do in the Nordics, if they will find one exclusive partner, if they will do it co-exclusively or go you know, uh, straight to consumer as well and, and what their strategic plan is for the territory, because I think that it will definitely have a very strong potential in the Nordic. Again, you know, UK scripted as well as non-scripted, I would say UK drama is very, very big in the Nordics. And I think it's part of our viewers DNA code. And specifically, I would say for TV4 also, uh, historically, we've had so much UK content in our schedules, both on our flagship channel and TV4, but also on our niche channels. And now again, it populates a lot of volume on our VOD platforms. And I am sure it will do a great job and it will have a great fit in the Nordics. But again, you know, as far as how it will affect uh, the possibility for us to actually acquire uh, shows onward, given, you know, a a presence of Brickbox, it's hard to say. It depends how they will launch their service and how they will, you know, look at the business model and how exclusive they need to be. But the demand will not decrease. Uh, I think it will just be even stronger. And what is your stance on co-producing with companies in the UK? Well, again, UK 
educate content and, and production and quality is super valued with us. So I would say it's not just maybe if we would, it's almost like it's a very strong condition. It's a prerequisite, I would say, for us in co-production, knowing that there is a home broadcaster or a commissioner that is a UK broadcaster or an ITV partner, or a BBC partner and Channel 4, whatnot, Sky. That is a very big signal of quality to us. And that would be a very strong factor in us actually moving forward in a co-production scenario. Uh, so absolutely, yes. So what sort of programs are you going to be looking for? I think that, you know, series and documentaries for sure for our platform, specifically AdVod. Again, I cannot stress enough. I'm not saying we're the first because I think AdVod is sort of the new black uh, a little bit, but we've been doing it for quite some time and, and standalone AdVod rights are a bit tricky. You know, they haven't really been available or cleared always and they're normally blocked or held back by SVOD windows. But to us, it's extremely important to be able either within the scope of a deal of an SVOD deal to add AdVod rights or acquire standalone AdVod rights with possibly a linear window as well. I mean, we, we, we of course, carry the whole ecosystem of linear SVOD and AdVod, but, but AdVod is, is very important. And when we go to the screenings now, we talk to all of the distributors and partners about the importance for us to build a very deep and rich AdVod service. We need to migrate our whole TV4 universe into our TV4 play and doing so as you know our local production will never be enough so to speak so we really need to fill it again and so now I would say it's series and documentaries but also reality reality I would say is a very one of the big uh, or strongest uh, genres apart from the series that of course are, are one of our biggest genres but but reality is you know a DNA code for our local shows like we do all the big ones we do Survivor we do Farmer Once a Wife uh, The Farm Master Chef you know we, we have all of these big reality shows that carry volume, many episodes, and of course the, the binge-worthy ones as well, like Big Brother, where there, you know, there's a lot of volume in the service and forces people to go in daily and spend a lot of time there, or Love Island or Bachelor that we do 40 or 60 episodes off. And all of these Swedish versions, we, we acquire the international, the English-speaking versions as well, the UK one, the US, the Australian, uh, in order to expand uh, the universe of that brand and that works really well for us as well so um we will definitely look into series and documentaries, more reali reality, and of course, formats. We always, you know, search for the big, bold, you know, water cooler shows. Now, just recently, we're in production now for Five Guys a Week, the Fremantle show. We're also doing, that's not necessarily a UK show, but we were just launching Masked Singer. I'd say that, that the last maybe five, six years, we have not acquired as much format-wise from the international arena because we've sort of tailored and developed developed more original content with our partnering uh, production firms here than, than historically, because, you know, I would say 10, 15 years ago, the international formats arena provided us with all the big shows. It's Idols still going really strong over 15 series, uh, Strictly Come Dancing, also 15 series still doing very, very strong. And all of these big flag
flagship show. So, of course, really, really important to us, you know, to keep them vital, keep them relevant, building them, growing them. And that's as difficult as finding new shows to launch. But I think that as far as acquiring big shows from the formats industry internationally, hasn't it hasn't given us at smush the last years. Now, yes, the masking are in a few ones, but for many years recently, we've actually developed more original locally than finding it from the global market. And what about drama? Where drama is very important. Again, that is like, apart from the reality that I said, I think, I mean, acquired drama is the biggest and most important genre we have for our VOD platforms and also, of course, for our linear universe. But I speak in a VOD term now because really we're in the digital first era like everybody else. And that requires even more volume. So I think scripted, we're always looking for not just the big new shows. Those are really important. We need to lure people into to the services, but we really do need a lot of retention and stickiness as well. So we need, you know, library, we need volume, we need people people to find things within the service after having come in, you know, for example, a Gang of London is obviously a big premium glossy series that sells descriptions. But once they're in there, we need to find, you know, a lot of depth with volume and, and uh, with reach for young adults. We need to, you know, find a variety of, of genres also that will bring in a broader array of people, but also make them stay and spend a lot of time there. And I think during COVID, we were also, like everybody else, forced to find other solutions apart from from all the new because a lot of things, you know, were postponed or canceled or pushed forward. And so, you know, we are focusing a lot and what have been this year, you know, and finding already finished volumes of library. We just recently, it's been so nice. We acquired the SVOD rights for the, uh, as a first, you know, SVOD player ever uh, for the, the Danish original version of The Killing for Brudelsen. That's what it's called. And it's never been on an SVOD platform. We acquired all of the episodes. I think it's four series times. 10, like 40 episodes. It's a great piece of, of IP for us. And it's done. We just launched it both on TV4 Play and on Seamer. And it's doing so well. So apart from UK series and US obviously doing well for us, Nordic acquisitions are doing so well, specifically Danish. We've had enormous success with Don Sommerdal, which is a Danish criminal series last summer. It was huge. It was bigger than some of our Swedish shows. We had Osemellan, which is a Norwegian Danish uh, sort of draw comedy that did really well and now Brottet or The Killing, the Danish original version, the, the Danish pubcaster commissioned and aired for many years. And now we have a new we, we found Mood Commissionen, which is also an even older Danish series that we actually aired 15 years ago. And we bought all of the series to our VOD service. And that's a great way of finding volume for, for again, for time spent, for stickiness and anti-churn. And that really makes people stay in the service. So I think COVID also taught us that, you know, it doesn't all have to be new. It can be old brands. It can be volume of things that you just find once you get in. Uh, we, for example, we acquired shit. Creek, which just, I think, two months after we acquired it, I don't know how many Emmys it got, but it was wonderful. And uh, that was sort of an unsold, obscure Canadian show that had already three series or four, I don't remember. And that was fantastic. It was just uh, when everybody, you know, went in, I think it was March or April when, when COVID just broke out. So that was a great acquisition for us then, given the fact that everything got shaky and production shut down. So library is one thing in, in creating 
depth and, and volume in a service. The other thing that we did and that we still look for now, given that, you know, studios are retaining rights, COVID is still affecting timelines, is second windows. It was, for example, we have a great example with Yellowstone. It's a Paramount show with Kevin Costner. And it had been on Paramount Networks. It's, of course, a small cable uh, channel, whatever. But we bought the second window and we sort of launched it as a new series in Seymour. And it was one of our biggest series last year. It's just did amazingly. And again, it's a second window. So we find creative solutions and we learn from having been affected by this whole pandemic. Catherine Wiernick from TV4 speaking with Karolina Kaminska. Montreal-based producer-distributor Media Ranch moved to introduce a series of quick turnaround formats a year ago to meet the needs of buyers looking to emerge swiftly from the COVID-19 crisis. Chief Executive Sophie Ferron spoke with Ruth Laws about how the unscripted landscape has changed in the last 12 months, her focus for the next and the latest developments with the company's French-Canadian format incubation project, Horsepower. What do you think the effect of the pandemic has been on the formats market? Well, we launched a year ago a category of formats called QTFs, quick turnaround formats, because everybody was asking for them. What do you have that we can just crack up the minute the pandemic is over? So I think the format industry has become a friend of the development people because we're a quick solution. And I think it has been good for business. And again, the pandemic, the streamers, they're going big on unscripted. And uh, uh, that's what I see. And I think the pandemic has been an issue, but it, it's not the only reason why the unscripted formats are, are more popular. There are many reasons. One of them is uh, big stars in the U.S., like Brad Pitt, the name of you, Bert, uh, or uh, Ryan Reynolds, are getting involved in unscripted because they've noticed that it doesn't take three years to get the show on the road and it doesn't. it's not time-consuming and whatever, and it, it can be profitable. So that the these big names being involved in unscripted got a little, like, glass around it. Also, unscripted is, is easier to produce now because of COVID, but also it's quicker than scripted. And again, streamers need to have that show to launch their service and you need high concept. So yes, scripted takes a long time to produce. So if you if you want to have many products available for your streaming service, you need to have volume as well. So you need unscripted and you need scripted, but scripted is very long and time consuming. You're based in Montreal, although you are due to move to LA. Um, and I have just spoken to um, various television executives who are thinking about doing more productions and co-productions in Canada um, because of several reasons, including tax breaks. What do you think this will mean for the Canadian TV industry? I don't know. We've been a great ally for years. Uh, so I don't know exactly what it means. I just hope that we retain IP, that we're not only work for hire. That's what I, that's what I care about. And, um, you know, and 98 percent of our business is outside of Canada. So I don't know how to see what's going on with the tax credit and all, but I think that we have a great production expertise. So I hope, again, I hope that this will be a great opportunity for the Canadians. And back to Media Ranch, um, are there any particular genres of formats that you're developing at the moment and why? Well, at Media Ranch, as you know, we are very much 
leading the trend of distributors or producers being involved in, in development. We are, have a very strong catalog, proven catalog, but we also have an amazing paper format catalog. But right now we're focusing, the well, it seems to be, the trend seems to be studio-based, big shiny floor show. And that's what we're doing, game shows and big shiny floors in studio. That's what people are asking for right now. And that's what we are developing in terms of paper formats. Not not saying that the other genres are not selling. I'm just saying that's that's what we are focusing on right now. Um, and is that a result of the pandemic, do you think? Because people are stuck at home and want to play along with a quiz show or a game show. I think that, yes, I think there are many different uh, reasons why. One of them is the pandemic, obviously. And um, people are stuck at home and they want to do something funny and light. I don't think that trashy and dark shows right now, other than scripted shows, I don't think people actually want to see that anymore because I think we're just a bit depressed. Not depressed, but I mean, it's it's difficult. I mean, these times have been difficult. So I think that's one reason. Also, the streamers, you know, they're coming all over from right, left and center. They're popping up and they're, they want that big high concept show for them. So they're looking for high concept, noisy things that they can own so they can put them on the streamer. So that's another trend. And I think that's that's why these shows are now being so seeked out because they want to have that high concept show format that is available to them. So they're, they're breaking original IP. And right now with the pandemic, studio makes sense. How long have you been noticing that trend? I would say a year, a year. But I think I, I've noticed it with the streamers. When the streamers started to want to break fresh new IP, they wanted something loud and they wanted something big that can resonate throughout the world. So that's quiz, that's studio, that's entertainment. So I've noticed it perhaps just before the pandemic, it was starting. You no, know, the paper format trend started like we are one of our paper formats sold in 12 territories within like a few months. That's watch. So that was in 19. So I started I started to see that trend. And then obviously with the pandemic, everything adjusted. So everything stopped and postponed or whatever. Now it's back on. You see that it's like uh, really what's what the people are asking for now more and more it's it's clear and in terms of other trends are there any emerging territories that you're selling to well uh we have really focused on asia we decided that 2021 would be asia for us we started with two new partnerships format east south koreans format east format incubator and something special so these are two new partnerships that we've just uh started so for us uh that's why we're focusing more on asia than we ever before. We had nothing in Asia. We had zero. So for us, Asia is is one of our you know of our main uh, territories that we're thinking of. Also, we're we're very strong in Europe, obviously, with uh, our offices in Amsterdam, and we just uh, started uh, in Poland as well. Uh, so we're you know we're doing Poland, Russia, all these countries, Eastern European countries as well. Um, and what is it specifically about Asia that attracted you? Well, uh, it's it, it just came about because we've. It's a big continent and we had no sales. Uh, And then this opportunity through Horsepower came about. And then so we decided to do an exchange with the Format Incubator, Format East. And then something special came about. And then we decided to partner on the watch and then take some South Korean formats. And that's how it all came about. And it's a very strong territory. So for us, it makes sense to be there. Another territory that we're focusing on, we are 
actually very strong in the U.S. right now. Before the pandemic, we had one deal. Now we're, I think we're up to 15. So that's uh, that's a big territory for us right now. And why do you think that is? Why do you think there's this renewed interest in the U.S.? Well, I think we're a bit of an anomaly in North America. We're the only, basically, we're the only company specializing in unscripted formats. We create, we, we executive produce, and we distribute. In the States, it's all European companies that do that. And so I think we're a bit of an anomaly. And the way we work is we work, we partner with many par- with many production partners. And I think our business model is a bit different and more flexible. And uh, I think that's why. And with the pandemic, a lot of people had time to think of development. And we have a ton of proven formats and a ton of paper formats. And if we don't have it, we'll, we'll find it for you because we have partners throughout the world. But I think that's why we, and also we partnered with ICM Partners. We uh, They represent us. And I think that actually made a huge difference as well. Um, and you have sort of mentioned this in terms of quiz and game shows, um, but what formats have you found that have performed well internationally? And are there any other trends that you've noticed in terms of um, format purchasing? Our celebrity prank show, Surprise Surprise, is doing quite well in France. And it's a French-Canadian original format, 35-year-old format that we relaunched. And I think that um, people want to laugh and they want to have fun. Again, it's big entertainment. And I see big entertainment coming back in a big way. Obviously, with COVID, some things need to be adjusted. But I think the broadcasting network will uh, have a piece of the pie if they go big and bold. And for the whole family, co-viewing is is so important because we are all stuck together now. People want to have something to do together. That's what I see. That's what I feel. And that's what I uh, look at the Masked Singer. They're doing Masked Singer and they're doing Masked Dancer or the unknown. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's they're doing many shows that that genre just to have fun can you tell me about horsepower which is now obviously in its third year and why you decided to launch it well we decided to launch horsepower three years ago because we felt that we were not getting our fair share of the format industry so we were saying okay let's uh let's train some people back home because in french canada we are very good in producing shows but we're not necessarily very present in the format industry so since we're all about formats i wanted the local experience expertise as well because we were always looking to for people for freelance people to know how to create a format but to do that they would need to know how to create a format from the you know get go not after producing the show so we decided to launch horsepower to have a local expertise and thus having quebec having this international reach in the format industry and this year we launched a third uh, edition which is a tad more international and we're very excited about it because we are in partnership with quebec contenu which is the leader here in the commercial uh, broadcasting, but also we uh, TF1 joined the adventure and the Fabrique de Format, so it's it's had more international, and we're very excited about this third edition. Um, and how did those partnerships come about? Well, it's just that I um, we reached out to Quebecar Contenu because locally they're the broadcaster that is more interested in the, or more invested, I would say, in the international market. So it made sense for us to ask them, "Do you want to be part of it?" And they you know jumped 
front right in it. And then this year, uh, we were discussing a lot of our formats with TF1. And uh, I just asked and I said, oh, do you want to be in involved in, uh, in this? And they were honored and wanted to be involved because TF1 also is trying to break a lot of new IP, which is an, a bit more different. I mean, in France, they, they they tend to go with the big international formats a lot. So for them, it made sense as well. And, uh, and La Fabrique des Formats is, uh, well, we have a, a deal with them and they were really happy to to be part of the of the adventure. What have been your biggest success stories from Horsepower? We just uh, signed a co-development deal with a US network for one of, of the Horsepower uh, format, which we're extremely excited about. And we also have another partnership in France as well for another Horsepower format. Again, we can't go through the details, but it's a big, shiny floor show. And we have partnerships in South Korea with Format East for other two formats from Horsepower. So it is traveling a great deal. And we're hoping that soon we know it will be out of the co-development phase and we can mention to everybody what other shows and when they will be in production. I mean, we when we launched Horsepower, we figured it would be interesting for us because we would be creating new expertise and having, you know, a better piece of the pie for of the format industry. But we never figured that we would enjoy it so much to teach and to discuss formats. And it's so exciting because you're you're actually in the purest form of creation. You're not creating for broadcasters. You're not creating with a budget in mind. You're creating just because you want to create this great format. And I never figured, you know, it would be so fulfilling for us to, to do it. And I'm, this is a very exciting adventure for us. And as you've loosely touched upon, Horsepower is open to um, everyone, not just people already working in the TV industry. Um, why did you decide to do that? And what differences are you finding in ideas between people working in the television industry versus those that don't? First of all, Horsepower is though it is open to everybody, but only Quebec residents for now. And um, we always enjoy when people are not from the TV industry because it's been our experience that some of the TV industry people are jaded or they they already have their mindset saying, no, this cannot be done. The tax credit won't finance, blah, 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 whatever. So I'm saying sometimes because I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that all TV creators are like that, but it's, I think it's fun when you, you, you start with somebody that has no idea of what's possible or not. They just go for the best idea. And that's why we want to have the people from all of the industries to come and participate. Television is often perceived as quite an elusive industry and difficult to get a foot in the door, whereas this makes it obviously open to people just from Quebec, but it does make it open um, and addresses sort of issues with inclusion in the in the industry. Was that an intention of it as well? Yes, we, we try to give access as well, not only expertise, but access. Uh, even though the people from Horsepower 1 and 2, they still reach out to us. We work with the creators to this day. You know, when I mentioned all the other deals that we're making with the, with the formats of the Horsepower formats, they are still involved. The creators are still involved and they still have that access. So we try to get that access to them as well, because, you know, I think we need to have more talent, better talent, uh, talent from everywhere. I mean, it's difficult to break in that industry. It's really, really difficult to, to make your path. And I'm, I'm, we're hoping that this is a way that they'll, it will give them access to uh, something that they wouldn't have. Sophie Ferron from Media Ranch speaking with Ruth Laws. That's all for this episode, but there'll be more from the podcast tomorrow. In the meantime, stay safe and up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online on mobile and social media. 
My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>